Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Which would you prefer? To decide between two things or 20 things? <laughs> I, I thought a lot about this uh, this week because, you know, we live in the land of choice. I mean, we have so many choices, so many decisions to make. You go out and you say, gee, I need a, I need a new pair of shoes. Well, what kind of shoes? Do you want sneakers? Do you want loafers? Do you want dress shoes? Do you want uh, short heels, high heels? I try to stay away from heels. Good move. <laughs> Clothing. You're going to go out and buy a new suit. There's a whole rack of, of, of suits. My father-in-law, God rest uh, his soul, uh, was a very colorful man. And uh, uh, he, his wardrobe was a little eccentric. He's kind of a, the, the eccentric professor. And uh, uh, he had a plaid sport coat that he used to wear, orange and green plaid sport coat with, with green pants uh, and, a, and, a, and a turquoise uh, Indian belt buckle that was about this big. And my roommate, uh, and he, that's how he dressed for chapel. And, uh, and my, my roommate one time said, uh, my, my father-in-law was the president of the of the college that I went to. Uh, I married the president's daughter. Uh, so uh, anyway, we're, we're, watching, we're watching the good Dr. Mark Lee up there, and my roommate leans to me and he says, how do you walk into a clothing store and see rack and rack of suits and jackets and say, hmm, I want that one. <laughs> So many, so many choices that, that we almost come uh, uh, to, to take it as a, as a, as a right. We, you know, we have the right to choose between 30 different automobiles. We have the right to choose between hundreds of uh, different cereals. We have the right to, we, we, we have all of these choices. And, and the more choices that we have, the more difficult it can be. Uh, but it also... I, I, as I think about it, the fewer choices that we have, the more important those decisions are. The fewer choices that we have, the more important those, cho those choices are. So last week we looked at an encounter. If you have your Bibles, open them to the third chapter third chapter of the gospel according to John. Last week, we looked at Nicodemus who comes to Jesus by night and, 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 uh, and on his heart, and Jesus knows what's on his heart. He wants to see the kingdom of God. The Pharisees longed to see the kingdom of God restored in Israel, to see the glory of David uh, and, and, and their presence in the world be that which it once was. And, and so Jesus uh, knows that. Nicodemus comes to him and, and says, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For nobody can do the miraculous signs that you do were God not with him. And Jesus comes back and he simply declares, I tell you the truth. No one 
can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And we spent some time last week talking about, about what that means, that uh, a, a recognition of our brokenness, a recognition of our own sinfulness, and, and the need to repent of, of that. And, and then the second part to say, God, I, I need what I cannot do on my own. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. We must be born of water. We must be born of spirit, both and, not either or. The two coming together. And it matters not which comes first, the spirit or the water. But together, it seals us, both internally and externally, as being marked, as being a part of God's covenant. No one. Jesus tells Nicodemus, can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And so we continue that narrative. And there's an interesting, if you're looking at the third chapter, and if you have your Bibles, sometimes uh, verses 16 through uh, 21 are in red. Sometimes they are not. There are people who are not convinced that verses 16 through 21 are part of Jesus' discourse with Nicodemus. Some believe that it is John, uh, uh, the writer of the, of the gospel, who now goes, he steps away from this scenario that's going on between Nicodemus and Jesus and gives some uh, commentary on what Jesus is talking about. And that's where we pick up today. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his or her deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen plainly that what he or she has done has been done through God. Some of the most celebrated verses in Scripture, some of the most controversial verses in Scripture. Used to be you couldn't go to a football game without seeing somebody stand behind the goalpost with a sign that said John 3.16. Remember that? You don't see those signs anymore. I wonder if they don't let them in. I don't know. I remember uh, 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 when I was in school working at a, at a bank, and they found out I was... Uh, uh, going to seminary to, to get ordained. And they went, oh, yeah, John 3.16. I go, yeah. He goes, what is that? <laughs> he had no idea that the Bible was divided up into individual books, chapters, and verses. I went, oh, that was interesting. But it is still one of, the, one of the verses that people memorize so often. For God so loved the world, the cosmos, all that he created, that he gave his one and only son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And we 
love that verse, but some people say, wait a minute, we, we, there's an exclusivity here that does not set well with a culture who is inundated with the opportunity to make choices galore. I want to decide, and I want all the choices that you can possibly give to me. How can you stand there and say that there is only one path back to God? If God is so loving, wouldn't he give us abundant things to choose from to come to him? If you look at the major religions in the world, uh, and I'm talking uh, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, uh, Confucianism, Islam, uh, just five off the top of my head. Each one of those five have an, an exclusive claim. Each one of those five say that we are right and the others are wrong. Which leads me to believe one of two things. They are either all wrong because they all can't be right if they each exclaim an exclusive claim to a pathway to God. They're either all wrong or one of them is right. Maybe here's a better question. And, 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 I, and I, I read this this past week and it really struck me. Imagine, imagine that God, he creates this incredible universe and then, he, and then he populates it with, with all of these plants and these animals. Uh, uh, and, and, then, and then he creates human beings in his, in his own image and places a little bit of, his, of himself in there. And, he, and he, he nestles them into a paradise. And, uh, and then he says, go, uh, be fruitful, multiply, have a great time. Just stay away from that one tree. That's all I'm asking. Stay away from that one tree. And they're not in there more than 15 minutes, and they're eating that fruit of that tree. And God comes in there, and, and they hear his voice, and they hide. Do you think God didn't know they where they were? Why does God call out to them after they've been disobedient? Personally, I think he was going to give them a second chance. Can you take ownership and responsibility for the choices that you make? She made me do it. <laughs> the victim mentality started back in the garden. It's not my fault. And what does she say? The snake made me do it. Nobody wants to take responsibility. And so God knew it was going to happen, but he's grieved, sends him out, but he's not done with him yet. He's, he, he, he creates Abraham, calls Abraham out of paganism and says, I'm going I'm to bless all the nations of the world through you uh, because I love this creation. I, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world through you. And, and through Abraham, you have Isaac and Jacob, and then you have the 12 patriarchs and they go into Egypt and they become a nation. And he brings the nation out of Egypt to the foot of the mountain. And he says, I'm going to bless people through you. And what do they do? They start worshiping a golden calf. And they turn from God. He's like, come on. What, what is it going to take? You're a stiff-necked people. But he's still not done. He sends them prophets. He writes letters to them, telling them that the promises are still available. Come back home. And, then, and they continually turn away. And he goes, oh, I got it, I got it, I got it. I got it. Here, the, I'm going to send them my own son. 
my own son. They, then, then they will surely listen then. And then they take his one and only son and they hang him on a cross. The question is not, why doesn't God give us more options to choose from? The real question is, at this point, why does he even give us one? Why does he even give us one? Because he loves us. He loves us that much. He calls us back. And even, even as his son was dying on the cross, the sin of the world was being transferred. And through that one and only son, we have opportunity for eternal life. Now, I love what he says here. He says, uh, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already. And that's kind of a hard thing to hear. But when you look at the history of humanity, how can we not be condemned? We who have continually over and over just thumbed our nose at God and said, I'm going to do it my way. The heck with your way. And, 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 and what have we done? What have we created? I don't know if you saw the news this morning. Uh, uh, six dead and, and, and another seven injured up in Sacramento. Uh, last, early this morning uh, in, in, in one of the uh, bar and restaurant streets. And, and in another, uh, uh, some guy... Uh, uh, kills his family and then kills himself. Uh, 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 a guy who went to church. So what, what does that mean? I don't know. But we read about all the violence going on here in the United States. Oh, there's violence going on in other places, but it's going on here in the United States. And, 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 and what, do we, what do we say? How can this be? And, and maybe the answer is, how could it not be? Because we have continually walked away from God. And we have a growing group of people in the, in the United States now called nuns. Do you know what a nun is? It has no, nothing to say with the, my, my Catholic friends down the streets. A nun is someone who declares no religious preference. N-O-N-E. And the nuns are on the rise. I have no religious affiliation. I have no need for, for God. I have no need for a moral code in my life. I can figure it out on my own. I'm doing just fine. Are we? We're not doing fine. The world is a mess. The United States is a mess. And the church is a mess. And, I, you know, you go on and you read this, that uh, after this, Jesus and his disciples, they went down into the Judean countryside where uh, he spent some time with them baptizing. Now, John uh, uh, was also baptizing in uh, Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and, and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put into prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over a matter of ceremonial washing. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, well he's baptizing and, and, and everybody's going to him. To this John replies, a man can, can receive only what is given to him from heaven. You yourselves testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. 
and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all and the one who comes from, from, from earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. No one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whosoever believes in the son has eternal life. But who rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. So picture this. Jesus is now gathering disciples, and the momentum is growing. John has some fiercely loyal disciples, and they come to him and they say, Rabbi, teacher, what do we do? That ministry down the street, they're doing better than we are. What are we going to do? And John says, well, we need to redouble our efforts. Let's dig a few more pits and we'll fill them up with water and oh 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 I know we'll give away a free toaster to everybody that comes and gets baptized with us better donuts donuts. (laughs) we'll get better donuts thank you for that no he doesn't say that and and you know God bless them they were loyal uh, and 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 they loved John but 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 John says you don't get it it's not a competition God gives as God gives And you know what? We all may, hopefully, we all make equal sacrifice, but we don't have equal gifts. We just don't. Not only do we not have equal gifts, but we don't have the same gifts. And that's one of the things what I talked about with the, with the, the, the people, the, the new members that, that, that joined, the, joined the church today. You know, they've got different gifts than we've got, and together, all the gifts are present in the worshiping community. As we come together, there's no competition. That's why we say that there's only one church in Coronado. Many different worshiping communities. Now, let me parse that down a little bit. Not everybody that sits in the community is a part of God's church. You say, what? Not everybody that comes through the doors of a sanctuary is a follower of Jesus. That would be like saying, if I hang out in a garage, I can become an automobile. It's just not going to happen. How does it happen? It happens when we decide. It's about a choice. And what's the most simplest choice that a person could possibly be given? Life or death. Well, that's an easy one. I mean, is there anybody here that wants to sign up for death? You know, the Bible actually says uh, that those who hate me love death. Well, there are cultures out there that embrace death and they celebrate death. That is not our culture. That's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And yet, we within the church are doing a lousy job of of communicating and sharing with the world the best choice that could possibly be made by anybody. Why? 
Well, because you know what? If you don't look like me, smell like me, talk like me, then you're not one of me. And we parse and we divide the church into multiple communities. As I've said many, many times, my dear friend, Mike Murphy, the Catholic priest, said, David, our greatest scandal is our disunity, which is why someone came to me and said, do you think we could put one of these in the hands of every single person that goes to church in Coronado on a Sunday morning? I said, I don't know, but I'm willing to try if we're willing to pay for it. And he said, okay, deal. And so that's why every church was given these booklets, because there is only one church. And, and some, I was talking with the choir, you know, give the choir a heads up on what's going on, telling them about this little booklet and what we're, what we're going to do with it. And I said, it's written, it's written for the non-religious. And somebody in the choir said, well, maybe even for the religious. <laughs> How, you know, we talk about prayer. We, we, we read about prayer. There are tons of books out there on prayer. Sometimes we even hear sermons about prayer. But when you actually sit down to, to, to start praying, Boy, doesn't your mind go to a, a thousand other different choices and decisions that you could possibly make? Maybe I better check my email just one more time. Maybe I should check to see if somebody, if somebody texted me. Uh, maybe, maybe I need to, uh, uh, oh, oh, phone, ring, please, ring. Uh, any, anything so that I don't, I don't actually have to engage in prayer. Why do you think that there are so many challenges and obstacles to praying. I'm going to tell you why. Because there is an enemy out there, and prayer is the most important and significant thing that we as followers of Jesus Christ can engage in, and somebody out there doesn't want you on your knees. There's somebody out there that doesn't want you to be praying. Who would that be? I'm hoping that none of these get left in the pews today. You can even take extras if you'd like. There's some over there. There's one couple, I won't tell you who they are, but they took booklets and you know those little libraries around town, the little mini libraries? Yeah, these are in all those little libraries. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's not about a competition. Is you know, is, uh, it's always better someplace else. They say the grass is always greener on the other side. Well, if you believe that, then let me give you a gardening tip. If the grass is greener on the other side, then start watering your lawn. It's not about where we worship. In fact, we're going to get to that uh, in a couple of weeks with the woman at the well. Jesus said it's not, a, it's not an issue of location because God is spirit and truth and desires though to wor those who worship him to worship him in spirit and in truth. It's coming together in Christ. It's coming together to show the world that there is a better way. And yes, there is only one way. And we can, we can, we can be amazed that God has given us that one way. But let's not cower behind it. Let's not hide behind it. Let's not be ashamed. Let's not be embarrassed to know the biblical truth that God so loved the world that he didn't give up. He's given us a second chance through Jesus Christ. 
It's not going to happen externally. It doesn't happen through ceremonial washing. It doesn't happen by going into the temple and offering a sacrifice. That sacrifice has been made, and we have been washed through the Lamb of God. The only decision is the decision between life and death. Or, as we prayed in the prayer of confession this morning, my will or thy will. Well, Margo, you're just being really chatty today, aren't you? <laughs> yes, you are. There's a reason why we get distracted. And sometimes we're distracted by the most innocent things in the room. And it wouldn't surprise me right now if there's some people thinking, I don't know how he does it. With babies crying and making noise and I'm trying to listen. And, and here's a mom with sick kids at home. And, uh, and uh, so dad's at home with the kids and she, she's here because this is important. And some probably, I'm not, not going to cast a stone at anybody, but some are thinking, man, I don't get it. I get it. Because there's somebody that doesn't want you to try praying. There's somebody that doesn't want you to choose life. There's someone that wants you to think that there are more decisions than you could possibly make and that everybody else's decisions are valid because that's what they choose. But in reality, that's not the choice. And as we see our country moving further and further away from its biblical roots, we see the edges fraying. And they're going to continue to fray, my friends, until and unless the church rises up. Not the Presbyterians, not the Catholics, not the Anglicans, not the Episcopalians, not the Baptists, not the Methodists, not the Lutherans. Who am I leaving out? Who? Catholics. I said Catholics. Non-denominationals. Till we can begin. Now, everyone has a little something unique. I, I get it. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But the point is, we need to look past our differences and focus on that which we have in common. Because there is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And together, we can, we can make a difference in this world. Don't be distracted by what's not essential. Focus on what is true and eternal. And my challenge to you, try praying. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Which would you choose? Between two things or between 20 things? The fewer the choices, the more important the decision. Choose life. Choose Christ. It is the most inclusive, exclusive invitation offered to the world. You don't have to think, believe, look like me. You just need to connect with Jesus, and he's going to tell you what his agenda is for your life. And when you try praying, that's when you discover what that agenda is. Not mine. It's his. Let's together choose life. Try praying. Live into the kingdom of God now and every day. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.